0: All I know about Baron Lord is that when it does come out the internet is going to explode Steam will break The developer is probably going to get death threats uh, because it Again. will inevitably not be it will, it will not cure the malaise and misery of every single person who is looking to it as a solution to their boring empty lives Outrageous It's on the spot Hot takes.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 41 of Topic Chunder, your favorite bi-weekly insight into games. I am Oddward Frenry, that's my name. Uh, with me tonight are Jammy, Hi. Jordan. I am Topic Chunder. Vopsy. Really?
2: Oh,
3: sure.
4: And
2: a bird.
4: Hello. Damn, uh, it's been a while, huh?
2: For a really long time. I haven't played games in many months, but it doesn't... Matter because we haven't recorded in many months, so I'll just pick the last one I played.
4: Sick. Speaking of ramblings, Oddwood, I hear you've been, um, uh, slaying the spire.
1: <laughs> yes! I have. Um, Foolish. rambling up and down the spire, I guess.
4: Yeah, you and me both.
1: It's obviously been available for a long time. Uh, things have happened with it. A lot of people uh, played it while it was in early access, uh, or played things um, on the beta branch. There were a couple characters, and then they added a third, and then they added a fourth. I stopped playing uh, about a year and a half ago, and this was before they added the fourth character. Uh, so I, I had never played it, and I was sort of wanting to play but not having time, uh, so I started watching uh, YouTube videos of Slay the Spire to sort of get my fix, and then it turned out it was available on the Switch, so I got it there, oh, no. and that was that was easier to play um, because I could play it downstairs while doing other stuff, and... The Switch version does not yet have, uh, the fourth character, uh, but I have, after playing it on the Switch for a a week or two, uh, I went back to it, uh, on my PC, and I've tried out the fourth character, uh, but I've mostly been playing with the original three, uh, and doing some of the Ascensions, which were, which was not really something I ever did before, uh. Partly because when I was playing, it wasn't really in the game. They were, they were just adding it when I sort of stopped. Uh, and there's also a final, uh, the, the game is in a few acts. The main game is three acts. And if you do special things, uh, you can unlock the fourth act. Um, it's not, the, the special things that you have to do are not, uh, as esoteric as Spelunky's stuff to do to get the secret. Final act, uh, everything is pretty much shown to you. Um, it's, it's obvious what you have to do. Um, but I had never done it before because it wasn't in the game when I was playing. Uh, so I've, I've done the final act a couple times. I've done some ascensions. Uh, I've played around with the characters that have already existed. Uh, and I think that because I was Because I went back to it, not just jumping in, but, uh, watching streams of it, uh, I think I'm better than I was before. Uh, I still think it is a great game, um, and I'm really enjoying a lot of the, uh, the things that are new to me, that some of which have been around for like a year or more. And I stumbled across a, a mobile game, uh, it is called It has such a forgettable name that I have to actually pull it up on my phone to remember what it is. It's called Dungeon Tales. Um, Okay. And Dungeon Tales is absolutely uh, a Slay the Spire uh, knockoff. It's played, you know, with your phone in landscape mode. So the spire is a big tower that you are climbing. And so the map is, uh, the map goes vertically. Uh, and you see your branching paths that you can take through the spire. Uh The Dungeon Tales is played in landscape mode, so the map is not vertical, it is horizontal. But if you just take a look at it, you will see it's Slay the Spire. It has branching paths, um there are a lot of uh basic enemy fights. Every so often there is an elite enemy fight that is depicted by... Uh, a scarier-looking sort of demon-with-horns head instead of a little skull, uh, which is basically exactly the iconography used in Slay the Spire for elite fights. Uh, uh-huh. There are campfires where you can uh, regain some health. Um, there's uh, a slightly... Th- this is one of the th- places where they do a slight difference in mechanics. At campfires in Slay the Spire, you can upgrade the cards in your deck. Um, there's no upgrading cards in, in Dungeon Tales, uh, but you can remove cards from your deck, uh, which is something that, uh, in Slay the Spire you can only do at a shop, uh, or with specific events. Uh, there are also event rooms that are de- denoted by a question mark, which is the exact same icon used in Slay the Spire. Um, and there are shops, uh, and there are, uh, halfway through uh, each act is a chest that has some treasure and, uh, some relic in it. There are a whole bunch of relics. They are mostly directly from Slay the Spire. Uh, even like to the point of, for instance, in Slay the Spire, there is a relic called Coffee Dripper. Uh, when you obtain it, um, you gain an extra energy, uh, at the start of your turn. But you can no longer rest at campfires. Uh, there is a relic in Dungeon Tales called Caffeine Pills, which gives you an extra energy at the start of your turn, and you can no longer rest at campfires. A lot of the cards are straight out of it. They've done something interesting. Uh, Slay the Sp- they're both- so they're both deck builders. Uh, they're both roguelikes. Uh, you use your cards to fight enemies. Uh, most of the enemies You can tell our exact, uh, ports of enemies from Slay the Spire. Um, Slay the Spire, you start with three energy to spend on your turn. Dungeon Tales, you have five per turn, but there are some effects on cards that are usually lower energy cards on, uh, when you have them in Slay the Spire that have cost more energy in Dungeon Tales. Uh, so it feels sort of like someone's like, well, okay, we have to make it different somehow. Uh, and this is how we're going to make it different. And what it sort of does is uh, it's made it basically easier because you're drawing uh, a comparable amount of cards per turn and your average cost is not that much higher, but your uh, available energy is higher. So you can just do more stuff in addition to taking most things and making carbon copies of them uh, for the game. Uh, They have also turned it into a terrible free-to-play mobile game. Um, Nice. There are persistent unlocks in Slay the Spire. As you play a character, you will get experience with it. And when you hit certain milestones of experience, you will unlock new cards that are going to show up in future runs. Um, The... Actual characters are pretty easy to unlock. Um, I, it's been a while. I don't remember. I think you, I don't remember if they're available just from the start or if they're, if you have to win a run as something or, or even just play a run as a previous character. Um, but it is certainly easy to access the other Slay the Spire characters. Uh, there are at least two characters in Dungeon Tales. Uh, and I only have access to one because Uh, you can buy the second one, or you can reach level 20 with the first one. Uh, and you're leveling up one level or so per run. Um, I think I'm at level 12 right now with the starting character. Uh, the, the, the runs are three acts, and when you, there's no, there's no fourth secret act, um, but when you finish it, uh, you can watch an ad to get extra XP. Uh, every time you get to a uh, like a treasure floor, you have to watch an ad. Um, those are skippable. You need to watch the entire ad to get the XP. Uh, and they also have a wonderful little mechanic where if you die during your run, you can watch an ad to resurrect with a little a fraction of your health.
2: This is huh. dystopian <laughs>
1: uh it, that you can only do that once, so if you die and then watch an ad to resurrect, then if you die again, you have to start over
2: i I guess it's like old arcades, you know, yeah, put money in to keep playing, uh, and this is kind of you're putting money in the developer's pocket, by yeah, <laughs> watching a stupid ad,
4: mm,
1: yeah, I think i that is a fair point, and it's it's just i I'd say it's weird coming from. It feels like it's going backwards because it's. I, I'm I'm associating it with a game where this is not the case.
0: Yeah,
2: it's almost like Slay the Spire desperately needs to be released on mobile. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> the I will say it's it is interesting. I uh, there it's really the only the only thing about this game that I would say is something that I haven't seen in Slay the Spire that I think is an interesting concept is the gimmick of the, the first character. Um so each each character in Slay the Spire starts with a specific relic that does uh something specific to that character. Uh the main uh like fighter class um in Slay the Spire starts with a relic that cool. he <laughs> uh that heals you for six after each battle. Uh, which means if you're taking six or less damage in each battle, then you're staying at full health. Um, and so it's, it has a little, uh, you can sort of strategically t- take some damage at times, uh, and, and hope not to take more <laughs> later, um, to try to efficiently do all the fights. Uh, in Dungeon Tales, the starting warrior type character uh has a an ability where every time you play an attack on your turn that grants you some armor on your following turn it does sometimes uh lead to interesting decisions if you're facing an enemy that you know is going to attack for substantial amounts every turn and you have a hand uh with uh, a couple uh defend cards and some attack cards if they're attacking you now you can take some damage to get some extra block on your following turn or uh, you can do more damage now and take some damage now and uh have more block on your next turn and um and have gotten their health uh lower down uh so Sometimes it, it requires sort of knowing the specific enemies, uh, to make these decisions well. Uh, but I, I will say it's the only time playing this game that I find really interesting is <laughs> when I have to decide whether to play a defend card, uh, or take more damage now to keep, um, keep from taking some later. Partly because there are cards that Uh, There is an attack that deals damage based on how many times you have been attacked and not taken damage. Uh, So maybe I can take some damage now to make sure I have enough defense next turn so that I won't take any damage next turn, and then that attack card will be worth more. As opposed to maybe taking a single point of damage on both of those turns, uh, and now that attack is still worth zero. This... Mechanic is not explained. I was very confused, uh because in Slay the Spire, when you gain block on a turn, when your next turn starts, you lose all of your block. There are things in the game that let you keep all of your block, or that let you keep some of your block, or that let you keep your remaining block for a single turn following that. And I, so I was playing Dungeon Tales, and I was noticing that I would have block at the start of my turn. And I was like well I guess it doesn't leave but then I was encountering cards that say you get to keep all of your block and I was like well why does this card exist if I have some of it and I finally um noticed what was happening uh and was able to piece it together for myself uh but there is so much that is not explained there is in in slay the spire you can look at any information you would want at almost any time so that would be what cards are remaining in your draw pile? What cards are in your discard pile? Uh, what cards you have, uh, taken out of the game? It's called exhausting in Slay the Spire. Uh, you can go back and look at the map at any time to see what, what's ahead and make decisions based on that. Uh, in Dungeon Tales, if you are facing an enemy and determining your turn, you have access to the cards in your hand and the page that shows you everything in your deck. There's no way to look at your discard pile. There's no way to look at what cards might be left in your draw pile. Um, so there's no way to make certain decisions unless you have a perfect memory, or you're taking notes of everything, which I'm certainly not going to do. <laughs> uh, which is a huge mistake and and terribleness in the design of the UI, at least. Uh, and I don't know how much I'm going to keep playing this game, but it's a somewhat Slay the spirey thing that I can play when I am not at my house. So I've been playing it occasionally.
2: Do they have plans to put uh, sl- uh, Slay the Spire on mobile?
1: Uh, that is not something I am sh- aware of. Um I do, I I it sounds like it would be a good fit. I can imagine it, it certainly would work on tablets. Um and you know phones are getting bigger nowadays, so it could possibly do okay uh on a phone. There is a lot of small text occasionally uh that might be hard on a phone. Uh that said, uh Magic the Gathering Arena has just been announced to be coming to phones sometime in the future uh and it also has you know card games are sometimes hard to play on phones because it's they sometimes have a lot of words that is are hard to read here's something there is a slay the spire mobile port that was currently in the qa testing phase in january of this year uh so yes it looks like it is in the works well good for them I guess they'll get to suing those guys off the <laughs> Play
2: Store when they do? Maybe. I guess they won't need to if that is <laughs> so much better. Jamie, <laughs> why do you play Adventure Quest 3D? I would like to oh, know. No.
0: <laughs> okay. Fine, uh, I'll do this very quickly for the sake of you only. Jordan needs to because, know. Because,
2: like, it was, f- uh, like, we played a bit as a joke. Yes. Um, yes. But then you kept playing it and you streamed it and everything, and I assume it was for a reason, and it's like, it's quite a long time for a joke, so mm. I'm guessing it's not that.
0: I streamed it as a joke uh, for two hours. Right. Um, And I think I have developed some sort of problem. Uh. <laughs> I have got 21 hours in the game, which isn't that long compared to some games, but it's... It's
2: It's long for
0: that it's game. It's 21 hours longer than I should ever play Adventure Quest 3D, <laughs> which is currently advertising its major update of a Breaking Benjamin concert, which is happening in the game right now, probably. Yeah,
2: which... Like, that's their thing now. Like, what was... They had another kind of... They had
0: Korn. Blast from the park. Yeah. And someone else, I can't remember, um, they had another band. Um, I don't know what that is, but I guess it must be working because they keep doing it and someone is presumably going to it. Uh, I went to their new year. I was online on new year's Eve playing, you're doing it right. Playing adventure quest 3d. Uh, and I got a message from Artix thanking me for being online. Um, the Artix. Yes, presumably.
2: Seriously? <laughs> I, I think
0: it was just a, an automated thing, but...
2: Oh, I'd love it if, like, there were so few players on that game that he could feasibly go and, like, thank everyone.
0: There are so many people who play this game. It's, Seriously? it's so popular for some fucking reason. Um... Okay. I got a message thanking me for being online Now I was like, what the fuck am I doing? What am I doing with my life that this Good? is where I am I mean... at the age of 27? I'm playing this fucking game. Um... I'm happy for them. Uh... Uh, and for you, if you enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know if I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> I went I went back to the town, Batalon. Uh Right. And the town's called Batalon, everyone. Yes. Just in <laughs> case you have never played Adventure Quest somehow. Um I went back and there was a there was a New Year's Eve event where it spawned increasingly higher health enemies, not really enemies because they didn't attack us, but we had to attack them until eventually I, we got a Christmas tree. That had health so high it was displayed as a as a mathematical problem, and was <laughs> people were calculating in the chat how many days it would take for us <laughs> to kill it, and I was standing okay. there in at this point the early hours of the morning, hitting it along with everyone else, and just thinking I don't care enough to see this through. <laughs> I'm going to go to bed, and I felt weirdly like I was betraying everyone because we were all there hitting it as a as a team. It was a team effort, and I didn't. I didn't want to leave, but also my body was done, so I had to log out and I go mean, to sleep.
2: You're kind of selling me on it. I mean, I'm not going to. Don't play it ever, please. I'm not 17 anymore, but just that's kind of sweet. I I I remember those sorts of events where everyone's pulling together and doing something live to beat some baddie or you know collect a million presents for. You know, this world's not Santa Claus. Chanda. I love, um, video games.
1: Is, is Destiny 2 a video game?
2: A video game haven't... I've been playing is. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's been a little while since I've played it now, but hey, it's the only thing I've played recently and, uh, I put 300 and something hours into it since going back to it. Um, which I did because it came out on Steam, which is why everyone went back to it. Uh, it was good. It's still a good game. It's, um, <laughs> it's a worse game, but, uh, it's still a good game. Um, guns feel great. Uh, it still, uh, taps into those, you know, bits of your brain that make you want things. Um, makes me want things real bad. Guns, um, coats, um, Anything really, uh, just to tick boxes, a lot, a lot more bo- box ticking this time around. Um, too much, uh, too much shopping list, um, of things to go and do, uh, and not in an interesting way. Um, so last time I really, I think the last time I really talked about this on this pod was when I was back playing it when it was, um, out on, um, ah, shoot, what's the, uh, BattleNet? Uh, one thing that really baffled me was how the, um, the freemium system was at once so just, uh, ridiculously, um, expensive, just, uh, really exclusive, just, it was very, very difficult to see anything in the shop that seemed to offer decent value, um. At the same time as giving you so much stuff for free. Um, randomly, you know, you couldn't buy what you wanted. It would randomly give you stuff every few levels you got. You would, you'd, you'd get a thing and, um, you know, a thing from the, the freemium shop. And, uh, so I just, I just, I had so many spaceships and space motorbikes and, um, other fancy things. Um, they've still kind of got that going on only you now get the freemium stuff much more slowly and there are men uh, and there are many more things in the shop um but the shop is still just horrifyingly bad value um and an enormous amount of the variety of the sorts of things that you can get are in loot crates so uh and the loot crates are like ah like 95% stuff that you don't want um 70% of which is not really that good, Not certainly not worth the money you're paying. So it's not even like, ah, eh, it's not the thing I wanted, but, you know, hey, it's cool. It's You could be spending, you know, a tenner and getting three things that you neither wanted nor like. Um, so, just fascinatingly bad. Um, I did still spend some money in it because I'm an idiot. Um... For things that I, you know, could literally just buy, I wasn't, um, I wasn't spending on the, the loot crates because it's just such shockingly bad, um, odds at getting anything you actually want, um, or like. Um, so, hey, you know, they got some money out of me. And to be fair, I did put 300 and something odd hours into it and a lot of that was fun. I did have fun. Um, it's still really fun to shoot things. Um, ah, just got more guns that I really like. Um, they got this, I mentioned it on the, um, crate and crowbar pod as well, Huckleberry, just suddenly, I wasn't expecting it to. Like, SMGs were bad previously. They have, <laughs> they have been made better. And this thing is just, ah, uh, the happiest gun I've ever fired. It just wants to kill people. Um, it's, um, it spins up when you start shooting. It's got this tiny little magazine, not many bullets in it, spins up. Uh, kind of like a minigun t- kind of thing, but it's a it's an SMG. It's tiny, um, and it just goes. Once it's spun up, it's going real quick, shooting real fast. And every time you kill something, it reloads half of the mag. So if you can kill something with less than half the bullets in your mag, you just don't you don't reload ever. Um, and once this thing's spun up, it's obscene how much damage it does. So it's for just chewing through waves of stuff. And so if you go into activities with loads of things in it, it's just a joy. It's just, just some of the best fun you can have in a shooter. You feel incredible. Um, and, uh, ah, uh, there's a, there's a similar gun uh, called Sweet Business, which is as good as it sounds. Uh, and it is the, the, the actual mini gun version of this gun. Well, actually the Huckleberry is kind of like the little version of this big gun. I like to think of Sweet Business as, um a giant happy dog and huckleberry as like a happy puppy and it just they are your best friends um sweet business just kind of it's got the range it's got a gigantic magazine it reloads itself based on you walking over ammo so you don't have to actually reload it you just have to kind of keep moving slowly forward as you blast away with this minigun um and it's way more versatile. So you can take it into more things. I actually, like Huckleberry more in the situations where it does work. But at least Sweet Business, you can you can go into other environments. And you can take down like tougher, um, more bullet spongy enemies. Um, some oh, man like especially since the class I play is the Warlock, and I play like the Void version of that. You get this ability where you heal yourself fully every time you kill something. And just those guns, like just 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 don't reload. Just <laughs> just keep going. And, uh, you'll never die. Um, you'll be surrounded by enemies and they can't kill you because so long as you've got some squishies nearby, you're just, yeah. So, um, pretty incredible time. But, uh, the, um, the endless shopping lists really started to put me off the game. It's, um, it's a game with so many good guns that I love and like, Uh, When I was first playing, I had this hand cannon called Better Devils, and uh, I was kind of like getting headshots and felt really powerful. And then when a really tough enemy popped out, I had this kind of laser, which the the longer you hold it on someone, the more damage it does. That was kind of like my thing that I used to take down um, big enemies. Um, Felt awesome. And I liked using those weapons, and I didn't really get that tired of them. Uh, By the time I left, I probably could have switched to something else, but I started playing a different game. Um, I was happy to come back to Destiny 2. This time, every day, you have like, ah, uh, what feels like a thousand bounties that they give you. And it's like, use this kind of weapon, use that kind of weapon, uh, use this kind of weapon in, um, Vanguard strikes, which is kind of like, um, these t- little, just little missions that you can run. Um, use these kinds of weapons in the PvP mode. Use these kinds of weapons in the kind of like PvE with a little sprinkling of PvP mode. Um, which is great. Gambit. That's a fantastic mode. Um, all these great things that you can be doing. And it's just, it just feels like, cause I've only got so much time in the day to be playing these things and I want to optimize everything and I want to use all of, and I want to kind of get all the uh, materials that I can. And they know that. They know that the reason they're putting this in here is so that people feel compelled to play. And I did. And I put in so much time every day to do the tasks that I didn't want to do, so that I could maximally play the game with some things that I did like playing. And I just, I was never able to get around to those things. Um, Yeah, like, uh, if you do the bounties every day, you get Bright Dust. And Bright Dust is something that you can use to buy cosmetics. And I love buying cosmetics in these games. I like being able to look good. And so that was kind of like a big driving factor um for me doing all of these bounties. It's like the only way you can get this stuff really, realistically. Um And uh, that's kind of like a separate freemium currency. You kind of like get a little corner of the freemium shop where you can buy things for Bright Dust instead of silver, which is the... You have to spend money to get that stuff. Um And just... Things used to be affordable, Bright Dust. They're not really anymore. Um When they brought out the holiday events, uh they did give you the option of paying for, you know, the holiday outfits with silver or Bright Dust, uh, but the Bright Dust cost was just like, have you been playing this game for months and months? Have you been saving up that whole time? Okay, you can get this thing, but if not, you know, cough up. And it wasn't cheap. Um... So it's just like, I really want to enjoy it, there's so much about it I do like, and just at every turn, the game's like, no, 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 you're not allowed to have fun, Uh you need to jump through these hoops. Sometimes you kind of dismiss it as, okay, fine, you know, whatever, they gotta make money, Uh it's steep, but fine. But you know what, a lot of times it wasn't about them making money, it was just about kind of retaining you and making you play only this game, all the time. Which, when I used to play it, I used to find I could get through everything in, like, two or three days, and I liked that. You know, kind of get all of the stuff out of the way that you feel you have to, but also don't lose your real life. Like, if you have to go away and do something for a day, you don't fall behind. You don't have to, like, work twice as hard the next day to make sure that you're getting everything that you can. Um... Yeah, it just felt abusive after a while. Uh, So as much as I liked it, and, oh, like, I finally got into raids this time. So you go into huge missions, just some of the best raid experiences that I've ever had in an online game, really creative, um, team-based uh, scenarios, kind of like combat mixed with puzzling and kind of like, you've all got to be coordinated and, um, Really, genuinely fun challenges to overcome. Very difficult challenges. Very difficult, complicated team-based challenges. But really, really satisfying to overcome. Cannot, you know, flatter the designers of these scenarios more. I guess if you don't have the same sort of tendencies as me to be sucked into these systems, you could get away with enjoying it by not engaging with their deliberate attempts to exploit you, but they're deliberately attempting to exploit you. I can't not feel bad about that. So yeah, it's kind of a bummer, but it really did... Yeah, I'd like to have liked the game more. There was so much... There is still so much in it that is still good, and they've put so much more in it that is really good. Um, But all I can really think about is how stressed out I felt trying to keep up with everything that they were pushing in front of my face every time I loaded in. Um, everything felt, l- uh, and like, there, there are weapons that you can get which are locked behind quests that you can progress by playing one of the activities. Um, there's a bow called Hush that you can get, uh, by playing Gambit. And you get it by using bows, sure. Um, you need to get, I think it was a thousand kills. So final blows. Uh, it has to be you scoring the final blow. Someone else can't steal it from you. You have to score the final blow. A thousand with bows, and they're good weapons. Uh, they're kind of difficult to use well. Um, they kind of seem uh, like they kind of seem like they're a trap um, to begin with. Like, oh, they're fun, but they're not that good. Um, and I know I actually did find that I managed to make it work, and it really it was actually a good thing that it kind of pushed me to use that in that mode. I might not have done that otherwise. But a thousand. I discovered that I really liked it, like, a hundred kills in. Uh, maybe like 300 kills would have been, I don't know, that would have been hard still. That would have been like a lot of work. But then it's also 500, um, critical last hits. So you gotta like headshot all these guys, um, or like half of them. Like, I'm way behind on my headshots. I just kind of use this bow that makes explosions when I shoot at and kill things. Um, so there's, like, a lot of AoE damage going on, and, you know, you're not necessary. Like, I, I want to do well. I don't want to drag my team back, which, if I was just kind of, like, ramming these quests, the I, I would be dragging my team down. Um, but no, so, like, I was making some decent progress toward the thousand last hits mark, but just not really progressing in the, the final critical hits mark, because... I don't know, Uh, well, I mean, I'm not that good at shooters in general, but also just kind of taking the extra time to line up shots to make sure that I get those last hits in the head. It's like, I'm not going to be playing as good. So, yeah, just, ah, like, I did a lot of gambit, and I was always using my bow as my main weapon for, like, the latter 200 hours that I was playing. Uh, At least the latter 200 hours that I was uh, playing when I went back to it on Steam. And I, I uh, don't know if I got a third of the way through the requisite, um, uh, critical finishes, like headshot kills. So, yeah, it was like, what, like, Pungie, <laughs> <geez. laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Give me my, and it's not even good. <laughs> it's not even that good. It's just, it's that. And <laughs> another thing, um, the, the quests that you pick up, these, these um, tasks you've got to go through to get these different items. Uh, you'll make a bunch of progress into it, and it'll fill up your quest log. And <laughs> your quest log has an inventory limit, which it shares with your daily bounties. So it, you can only hold so many of these things at a time, which is bonkers. Because if you never picked up bounties ever, you probably have enough like quest inventory space to pick up all of them. So it's like, it doesn't matter. All it means is the more you're holding, so the more you're currently working on these massive quests that take a long, long time to complete. Um, the more of those you're holding, the fewer daily bounties you can hold. So the less optimally you can play. So the, in order to have the game be a little less annoying, cause you pick up loads of bounties every day and you'll pick up a whole bunch and then you'll kind of do different activities in such a way that you, um, uh, go through these bounties more efficiently. Um, but like the earlier on you're playing this, the more you're struggling with clearing these, just titanic quests. Um, the more inconvenient the game is for you. By some twisted design, it's like it's it's hard to see how this was accidentally contrived. But it's also hard to s- it was accidentally implemented. It seems contrived, but it's also hard to see what they get out of this. Like, I don't know who this creates value for. Not them, unless they feed on misery. Um, So, yeah! (laughs) It broke me, and uh, like, I bought the first season pass and, like, went way over the XP requirement to get everything in it. Um, I did have fun. Toward the end of that season pass, I was waning, and I was like, do I really get quite done with it? Bought the season pass, made my investment, got a little ways into it, and then there just kind of came a day where it's like, you know what, actually, I'm just gonna cut my losses. Like, the season pass isn't that cheap, Um, and I'd gone and bought, like, a bunch of DLCs. I didn't even play the final DLC, you know, I was just so wearied by the game at that point that even though I had invested a bunch of money into it, it's like, at this point, I think I can just consider that money lost because I'm not getting any value from it anymore. It's not like I'm going to be made happy by my purchase. It's just making me stressed. So, yeah, uh, yeah, in our game of the year thing that we did on the on the Discord server, it's like, I have listed it as one of my games of the year. I did have amazing fun. I, I had just such unique experiences with some Gambit matches, with some of the PvP matches, with, definitely with the raids, um, but it made, (laughs) the the whole rest of the game just seemed like it was orchestrated to just laser focus to make me feel miserable. It's, you know, it's kind of like that difference that people come up with, with, like, uh, like, hedonism and epicureanism, where you've got, like, hedonism, which is just about, like, pleasure, 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 what I want now, um, and then you've got, like, uh, philosopher dude epicurus kind of came up with a sort of more of sort of a more kind of nuanced version of that where it's kind of like oh yeah his like his philosophy was kind of like maximize your pleasure in life but in a way that is sensible and reasonable and you don't regret later so like you know don't eat so much you become ill um moderate things and kind of maximize your happiness that way this game has just gone like in a way that i haven't ever seen any other game ever do but that might just be because i don't play like viciously exploitative mobile games um just like full hedonism mode in that kind of way <laughs> kinda, i don't know that's a silly way to put it maybe but that's kind of the way it feels to me like it's just it's just full-on its design philosophy is about exploiting you so hard that it makes you sick um I don't know. Some people still seem to be enjoying it, so maybe I've just got kind of whaleish ten- tendencies and not enough money to like, not enough time and money to fully indulge in that. But I don't know. It's a black mark against the game. For me, it's a shame because I've I've put I've had a lot of fun with it, and now it's just all that fun is still there. It's just kind of locked behind really nasty, badly designed, or or, or at least like cruelly designed. <laughs> systems i can't tell so yeah that's my little rant about destiny 2 stone cold takes from yesteryear
0: (laughs) it's always nice when a game makes you think phrases like cut my losses and am i getting value out of this normal Mm. things to think about entertainment i'm always thinking that while watching netflix actually tell you what i do do that with netflix tv shows i'm thinking like "Mm, am i actually enjoying this do i want to watch the rest of this i've definitely had that you know you've
2: invested so many hours into watching this thing which was maybe good for a season and now it's like you know what i don't actually care if (laughs) i don't see how the tv show version of game of thrones ends (laughs) i'm going to wait for the book (laughs) you know um yeah except i don't know with a game it just feels more personal because you really attach yourself to it oh um i forgot i wasn't done complaining <laughs> sorry <laughs> um so i like looking pretty in games i love video games fashion stuff um first season of destiny i had uh, a good time because um many of the clothes were cool and interesting and you could kind of mix and match and uh, the armor system wasn't too complicated it was kind of you know kind of dumb. You just kind of... All that really mattered was your light level, because there's, like, a light level associated with your, um, armor pieces, and, like, if it's higher, it's better. Stick it on. Um... <laughs> and I play Warlock, which is, like, the defining feature of that... There's two... Defi- okay, there's three defining features of that class in terms of aesthetics. One is your class item, which is an armband. It's the worst of the class items. It's not a cape or, like, an arse towel. It's, uh an armband. Uh, yeah, whatever. Excuse me? Oh, the Titans get a little ass towel. It's just a towel that whole, uh, over their ass. But, um, uh, it looks good. Um, pretty towel. Um, but, uh, yeah, you get a little armband, so fine. But the reason you get an armband and not something more flappy is because your clothes are always flappy. Yes! Coats! Long coats! I uh, grew up on the Matrix, and I don't care. Um, and, um, the other thing is every single helmet has a freaking coin slot in it, just like a vertical, vi- vertical slot of a visor, and it doesn't look good. Anyway, there was one helmet that didn't have that. Well, a couple of helmets. There was one helmet that I really liked. It made you like a Power Ranger. I was happy. Um, I come back. My armor's garbage now because the armor system's been overhauled, but not retroactively. You've got to get new armor. So fine. So you go out into the world and you start getting new armors and I don't like any of this stuff, but fine. I'll you know. Get versions of my old armor and, you know, in, in the new version. And it's like, all this, by the way, was done because they wanted people to be able to wear what they wanted. That was what they said. Every decision they made implementing this went completely against that. Um, you could pretty much wear whatever you wanted before. After this change, you had to wear whatever garbage you found, um, that had high stats, pretty much. Um, the armor system became incredibly complicated, for one thing. Um, so you could get armors that were good in some ways and then bad in all other ways and then you'd find armors that were good in most ways, um, but you hated the way it looked um, and uh it could be good in most ways, but not the specific kind of ways that would work with your other armor pieces to push your stats into the specific places that you want for your personal build it, just the most mind bogglingly um ridiculous system to implement. There was no customizability, pretty much. You just kind of got what you were given unless you put, I guess, five thousand hours into the game. At which point you have enough things to start building to start making a build. Saying, oh, I wanna have like a high mobility build, you know, um, with these elements uh to allow you to equip these kinds of different sorts of mods, um, you know, that were all at a good light level. Um and eh, so that was frustrating. Um, even so, I made an armor set that looked okay. Um, but I couldn't make my previous one because the kinds of armor that you got from sorry, year one is what yeah when you're first playing it's like year one certain armors that came out then the kinds of armors that came out then were never re released. There's no way to get them, and there's no transmogrification system, and it's just like just bananas, just I don't know, it seems like the simplest thing, just... Uh, I couldn't even... I couldn't even buy transmog stuff. I'd have paid money to make my spaceman look cool again, because that is... It's, it's a big part of why I play these games. I like I like dressing up my dollies, what can I say? Um, And, uh, I'd have paid money for it. They could have made money off me, but they didn't, because they wanted me to wear ugly, stupid clothes. Um, I don't know why! Ah! Do they just harvest my frustration from these sorts of podcasts? Is this their game? Um I dunno. Just like their frustration vampires and they just pick up everyone complaining on YouTube and that just sustains them? That's, that's my working theory. It's the only way I can make sense of it. I think I'm done now. I think I've, I, uh, I've, I've run out of things that I can remember to complain about. I'm so sad I want to sing this game's praises people did some real good stuff in it and it is real good and you know what maybe it will be a lot better in the future maybe they'll fix things cuz I stopped playing and like Kane's been moaning about it so presumably he's going to stop playing soon
0: I think Kane complaining about a game
3: yeah that's a pretty bad metric
0: it
1: means it exists <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah, and that I mean that's a good point because I do disagree with him on a lot of the points that he complains about. So, <laughs> let's just consider this one data point. To Shiny chrome. Right
3: Chanda. Wow. I have been playing Hearthstone Battlegrounds which is uh very version of auto-chess thing that everyone's doing now, and uh, it's really good. It's the best one, by quite far, in my opinion.
1: Which ones have you played?
3: Uh, not the League of Legends one, but the the original one and the Dota one.
0: By the original one, you mean the mod for Dota?
3: Exactly. <laughs> and I
0: also
1: played So the, the, the two Dota ones.
3: Yeah, and I played the the one they made after they got... Booted out from Dota Mod and made their own thing. I play that one as well.
0: But Vopsy, you don't like Hearthstone?
3: No, Hearthstone's a bad game. Um, but uh, the thing that really works is like the blizzardification of games that I don't like in general. Like it's generally that's not what I want. But for Otoshae, it's like perfect because that's a game that I want to be pretty simple, and I want the game to be over pretty quickly. But like the issue that I sort of ran into with Underlords uh, and the other ones, like the game just took too long. Like one game would take like thirty minutes, which is too long for that kind of.
1: God. Yeah, that's excruciating. <laughs>
3: yeah, like I'm I'm fine with that if it's like a Dota match, then then that's fine. But when it's like that kind of like simple sort of passive game, it's it's definitely too long. Um, so what Hearthstone have done, it's like it's in the Hearthstone client. I guess it's like even less chess-like, so I'm, I'm not sure. It's like Auto Battler. I guess is the name you should use now, and not Auto Chess, um, because it looks sort of exactly like the the Hearthstone UI, in that it's like a board, and then both players have their monsters in front of them on the board.
1: Is there a, a grid or lanes?
3: So you both have like one lane of monsters, just like in a normal Hearthstone card match. Uh, so you like so it's like a shop phase. You buy your monsters, and then you Throw them out onto the board, and then you can reorder them, like if they go first or if they go last, and that matters because the monster, they attack from the left to the right, but what they shoot to attack on the enemy side is random. So, but it sort of matters, maybe you want something to die first, um, before other things, basically. Um, So you buy your monsters, you put them on the board, and then, like, you have copies of the cards from Hearthstone, basically. So, like, some of them have Battle Cries, which is, like, when they're played, give another monster plus one, plus one, or something like that. Um, or some of them have Death rattles, so when they die, every other monster gets plus two, plus two. Or when they die, summon another minion with the same cost. And, th- and some of them have Taunt, so they have to be attacked first by the enemy before they can attack the other things on your board. It's exactly like the Hearthstone cards. Uh, and sort of like all the other ones, you also level up your shop. So for an amount of money, you can you can upgrade and you get like tier 2 monsters instead of tier 1 monsters. And then it just sort of plays out. You play against 7 other people, uh, and you get matched against one of them randomly every round. And you watch your things punch each other. And then uh, there's no, no winning or losing bonus, except like if you're losing, you're losing health. But winning doesn't get you anything. Like most of the other ones, you get more gold or stuff like that. Uh, But in this, you don't really get anything from winning, which is pretty interesting. Um, But yeah, so then you sort of play out, you have 40 health, and the health you take is dependent on the tier of the monsters that are still on the board when you lose, uh, and also the level of the enemy player's shop. So you sort of add all those together, and you take that much damage. Um, So you sort of start taking more and more damage over the game, uh, if, if your high tier stuff is alive at least.
1: Do all of these, um, auto battlers have the, uh, randomness in what your people attack?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind that, I think. I think it feels less random in this, because in the other one, it's like a full 8x8 eight eight grid, basically. I think League One has, like, a hex grid or something, but. So it feels more random in this, it's just two rows, uh. You can sort of dictate a bit what you wanna attack, like, or you can sort of, yeah in a way, you can sort of, especially with, like, if you have death rattles, you put them first so when they die, the good stuff happens and all the other stuff gets buffed and stuff.
0: I was gonna say, um, with the other ones, there's, like, a big chessboard space that you can position your stuff on. Yeah. And I never felt like any of them really figured out how to use that. No, it was always
3: really, like, weird. Um, Yeah. And this is, like, it sort of removes that Um, it's just, you position them just in a line, and then you hope they attack the right thing, but Ultimately, it feels like it doesn't matter as much. Uh, but I sort of like that because it also feels like the order they attack is rarely like what determines the game for you.
0: Like as you say, it's more to do with like getting certain effects to go off in the right
1: order. Yeah, exactly.
3: And since it's like like first one of your things attacks, and then one of the opponent things attack, and so on. it's not, like one thing gets swamped by everyone, and they don't get to do anything. It's like just gonna play out
1: like more, yeah, more orderly in a way. So a, an, an auto-battler that's not grid-based, how much like something like Clash Royale is it?
3: I think it's still pretty far off uh, because it's more about, like, it's way more about, like, the building your team phase, mm-hmm. making sure everything gets buffed, synergies and stuff, because there's, like, just like in the other ones, there's alliances, so... Currently, it's like demons, mechs, murlocs, and beasts. Uh, so you can sort of you sort of want to stick to one alliance because it's always buffs between them. Oh yeah, and I forgot to mention: at the start of every match, you get two out of twenty heroes, and you get to select one of them to play as. And all of them have a special ability that's either a passive or an active. So it could be like one of the passives that you start the game with ten more health than everyone else. Some of the actives, so it's like, for, for one gold, give plus one, plus one to every minion that doesn't have a minion type, or give a plus one, plus one to a minion for every other minion you bought this turn, or this one that like, at the start of combat, you pay two gold, and at the start of the next combat, you do one damage to all enemy minions. Uh, so that sort of affects quite a lot, because that, some of them have, like, alliance-specific bonuses, and some of them are more general, uh, so that sort of dictates sort of what you want to try and build up towards uh, and it also means each game is pretty different you have like yeah and they, they seem fairly well balanced and since you get a selection from two you can usually just go for the one you prefer uh, but there are obviously some that are better than others but there are some that people really like that i just don't like at all and some that people rate really badly that i i always do really well with uh, so that's like a really really big thing about it and they keep adding, like, they update it fairly like regularly, and they usually, like, add two more, two new heroes and remove two heroes in those updates and stuff like that.
2: Did you say how long um the battles tend to last in this? You said there was, like, 30 for the other ones. but Yeah, it it's, like, maximum it shorter. 20. If
3: you're in, toward, hmm. like, if you're winning, or if you win, it's usually, like, 20 minutes. Uh, but it's Oh, right, because you it. go out sooner. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. If you, you can lose, like, really quickly, then you can start another game. And it's also a ranking system. So if you get, like, top four, you gain MMR, and if you're bottom four, you lose MMR, and you get matched against people with the same same MMR as you, or similar at least, which is
1: good. I like that. So I don't know what it says about the state of games right now, that when you put Hearthstone Battlegrounds in the dock, I thought that was a jokey name. And I was going to ask you <laughs> what the actual name of the game was. <laughs> nope. That is
3: literally what it's called. Uh, yep, that's literally it. And it's like, I didn't know about it until almost like two months ago when my friend was playing it on mobile phone. I was like, what's that? And he's like, oh, it's Hearthstone balance And it's also because it's like, stuck inside the Heartstone client, a game that I don't play anymore or don't pay attention to. It's like, I just didn't find it. I get like the league, the league one, and the original Dota mode were also like inside another game client. So, um, but yeah, as I said at the start, I think like the Blizzardification of stuff it yes, really, really works here. Uh, like I think Hearthstone isn't very good because it just worth magic, in my opinion, and Hots isn't good because it just worth Dota. And but but for this, <laughs> but for this this format, it really works because what this format didn't need was more like to be more complicated. This format needed to be simpler, and they have made that good, and I have played it quite a lot, and because the game comes so quick, I can just, like, fit it in between an racing race and waiting for the next one. Perfect.
2: Would Totally Accurate Battlegrounds make a good (laughs) auto-battler?
3: No. Like,
0: maybe. I don't know. It would make a bad one, but funny, I think.
3: Yes, exactly. (laughs) I think that's exactly it. It would make a bad, but funny one.
2: I mean, they already made the Totally Accurate Battlegrounds joke. It's kind of a shame they haven't made an auto-battle joke.
3: Yeah, that's like, exactly That would just be like Clash Royale, but incredibly stupid, which is a big improvement, honestly. (laughs) Uh, I would play that, but probably not a lot, but I would play it a bit.
1: (laughs) I was thinking of Clash Royale, because uh, they just released a game that's Magic the Gathering, but Clash Royale, basically. And I played it for Classic. a day and then never went back. Nice. Uh, you said this is this game is only uh, available in the Hearthstone client? Exactly. Okay, so you have to have Hearthstone installed to play this? Okay.
3: Yeah. Hearthstone's like a fairly small game. Uh, too bad. Uh, but yeah, it's really good. It's like, like, I've got a good tutorial. I think, Yami, you played the tutorial, right?
0: I have played the tutorial and yeah. one real game. Nice. Ooh. So I'm an yeah. expert now.
3: Exactly. But, like, the tutorial teaches you everything, but then it's, like, a lot of time of just, like, understanding how to play each hero, and just, like, when to upgrade your shop is, like, a huge part of it, because you don't want to fall behind in, like, shop level. but you just want to, you don't want to upgrade too early, because that means you basically lose a round of buying minions for upgrading your shop. It's, uh, it's a, like, really big part of sort of analyzing when you need to do that. Yes. Yeah, and this is all, this is all stuff from Hearthstone. It's all, like, Actual Hearthstone cards, or like, yeah, which is—it's a bit weird because, like, it's because some things are like summon a random one-cost minion when you die, but I refer to a one-cost card in Hearthstone. It's not like a because everything costs all minions cost three when you buy them, and they cost one when you sell them, or that you get you get one from selling them. Uh So, like, a one-cost minion would be like a card that costs one in the actual Hearthstone game, which is a bit weird, but it's not like a huge deal.
1: Is that something you're expected to know?
3: No, because like in, with if you play those minions, it's just random anyway. It's just like at one cost you just means to get a random shitty minion. Um, okay. Uh, so it's not like a huge deal. Uh, and generally, those like summon a random thing. I don't like playing them because it's random. So sometimes you get something that's completely garbage, and then you lose.
1: Thunder.
4: Damn, I have been having some good times with the robots. That's what I've been doing. Um nice. So, I've been playing a couple of games. Um So, 2018's Battletech by Hebron Schemes and 20... Fuck, 19? Was it last year? I think it was last year. 2019's MechWarrior 5 by Piranha Games. Um Both of these are Battletech games. Um... With previous releases in the series, you know, MechWarrior series, um, MechAssault, and the Mech Commander games, they're all based around giant battle mechs. So Battletech, the 2018 game, um, it was actually, uh, one of the creative directors of it was Jordan Wiseman, who actually made the original tabletop game the franchise is based on. Um, and consequently, it's like a turn based, uh, like a turn based isometric game on like a hex based grid.
2: So this is like him returning to the series, is it?
4: Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's been, I can't remember when he actually got off, um, the tabletop development, um, but he certainly, I don't think he's had any involvement in any of the other video games. So it is kind of like a return. Consequently, it does have a bit more of a story, um, than other Battletech games or MechWarrior games have had. This actually has like a quite a full-fledged cast of characters, um, that live on your ship that you go jaunting around the galaxy, finding contracts. Because you're mercenaries, (laughs) um, finding contracts and, uh, to get better gear and more mechs. It is, um, it's the kind of, kind of typical of, uh, the Battletech games as it is all about, um, a civil war and the noble characters that you kind of, uh, either follow along or contract out to and stuff like that. So in the setting of Battletech, there's like, a main area of humanity called the inner sphere where all, um, the five superpowers are. And then surrounding the outside of that is the periphery. And I think for the first time, this is a story set, um, in one of the periphery kingdoms, the, um, Arano something or other. Um, basically you are a bodyguard to one of the, um, Princess is there, um, and you're out on a training mission when a coup starts. And during the course of this, your mentor is killed, um, you're forced to eject, and the, uh, princess is seemingly killed. You're picked up by like a group of mercenaries, um, and spend the next couple of years, um, moving around with them. Um, and then kind of out of nowhere, um, it turns out that the princess didn't die and she comes and hires your services. Um, so you just kind of go to different planets, uh, helping out like the cause of the, um, the restoration of this, uh, state, um, dealing with a few different, uh, countries and organizations and stuff along the way.
2: Is it mega hard? I hear turn-based and I assume that.
4: Not really. So I think one of my favorite, um, things about it is, is that it is actually kind of forgiving almost like, um, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming, like, a lot of people, when you think, like, a turn-based, like, individual unit control and stuff like that, you think, like, XCOM and shit.
2: Yeah. Fire Emblem, that's so. like.
4: Yeah, yeah, where it's only a few hits and then somebody's dead. Like, just gone. Um Whereas this mechs, in essence, just being giant walking tanks, you can take a lot of hits and um armor is effectively made into like a critical resource it's like how much can i spend on this turn to get the results that i want and that's just like one of the layers um that makes the game really enjoyable i think like um as it's like a hex hex space grid um the positioning of like your feet and stuff matter so um the mechs have like individual control of like where their feet are pointing and like how their torso is twisting. So when you go to move a unit, it will show you the direction that their feet will point and then the um cone where their um torso can twist and aim at. And in doing so, you kind of want to try and face different parts of your armor and things every turn towards the enemy. So that way you're kind of spreading damage all over your mech. Um and, you know, not letting them punch through one particular point. And conversely, that also leads to um, you trying to maneuver the next to get into, um, you know, advantage- advantageous positions to, like, punch through already weak armor or get to their uh, back armor, stuff like that, which is generally weaker. Um, so there is, like, movement-based uh, part of it, um, which isn't quite as cover-based as XCOM either. Um, and then there's the weapons part of it, which is that, um, you've got three different sorts of weapons, energy, uh, missile, and, uh, ballistics. Um, all of them generate some form of heat or other. Um, generally missiles and lasers, um, generate the most. And, uh, man- managing like, um, the heat in between turns, making sure that you, um, have enough heat. That when you do actually maneuver into that position where you can just unload on somebody, you don't also consequently overheat and damage your mech. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of different factors at play that make it really enjoyable just to play over and over.
2: So it's like one of those games where you can't really avoid losing some yeah. armor or HP kind of thing. You go in and it's about kind of playing the maths and mitigating and, mm. uh, that sort of thing. So. Okay, and like you reset between battles then, do you?
4: You do. So um, it's like in between battles, you go back to the Argo, which is like your um, spaceship base of operations um, that you travel around in. And in there, um, you get um, like your after-action report. So if you've just got damaged armor, that doesn't take any time to repair at all. And the mechs are ready to go on another mission as soon as they're like, uh, as soon as you exit out of that screen and pick up another one. Um, but if your internal structure gets damaged, um, then you're guaranteed like at least a couple of days of repair time. Um, and depending on how severe the damage is, it can go up to, you know, weeks or months or whatever. So, um, it's like that's kind of like what it is. It's like, as armor um, as a resource, is like these are essentially at the end of the turn at the end of the, like the mission free hits i guess <laughs> yeah is there
2: much of that then kind of like um between the turn based stuff is there much of kind of a macro Because in every other turn based game i've played there has been something like that to some degree or another
4: yeah absolutely um so there's um the ship itself um the the Argo is um basically an ancient like um Nearly 500 years old, um, uh, from like a former, um, a former organization whose technology level was like far more, um, far more advanced than the current, uh, societies. This is a, like a
2: previous civilization or just a a previous corporation had this and now you have it or?
4: Yeah, uh, you found it crashed on a moon, <laughs> so there's a mission oh, right. to pick up from there. Um, so it's actually in quite a bit of disrepair. Um, so there's uh, managing the upgrades for your ship, um, which can affect things like uh, how fast you can repair mechs or how um, how quickly uh, people heal up. Um, there's a lot of, like, different recreation ones for the crew members and your mechs hmm. um, that give more morale. And your mechs mech warriors, rather, sorry, the people who pilot oh. them. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. Um, uh, then there's like um there's managing the finances um of the company. Um so um your main source of income being like the missions that you do, but um a significant part of your payment for missions will be in salvage. Um so that's like extra weapons or parts of mechs and things like that. Um so there's Managing that to ensure that you have enough to keep the lights on. Um, and then there's, uh, the mech warriors themselves. They have, um, four different skill trees that you can level up individually. And depending on how you level up them up, um, they can get like two basic skills, which might include like a standard damage reduction or, um, like the ability to target multiple targets in one turn. Um, and one master ability, um, which might be things like, um, shots with a single weapon can like ignore all cover or um, one that just lets you uh, drop a whole bunch of heat um, at the start of that um, at the start of your turn Um, and they all, uh, all the mech warriors themselves have um, I wouldn't say like uh, traits that affect them in the actual turn based thing um, but there are like little events that pop up with your different mech warriors where it's like oh hey this guy here uh, had, like, a bright idea in the middle of the night to um, go down and tinker with one of the weapons to see if they can try and make it better. And it's like, um, depending on where they were raised, you know, they might be, like, um, a criminal or something like that and, like, have some idea around weapons, so you'll end up getting, like, a better gun out of it. Or they might be, like, some noble that's never had any training like in this sort of thing before, and they fuck it up and you lose a gun. So <laughs>
2: Okay. <laughs> Hey fellas, I got a bright idea
4: that there was a there was a good one that I got where um uh you kind of walk in on two of them arguing in the kitchen because um they've got like um you've run out of coffee and there's only like one cup left, and the option is it's like um give it to either one of them after hearing their arguments, split it between them or just take the coffee and drink it yourself <laughs> um so as the How uh move- yeah as as the commander of this uh, as this com- of this company I thought it was fair that I should get the coffee um yeah and it's problem solved and consequently like <laughs> lowered uh lowered their spirits um which is like a negative um a negative uh a debuff that they can get for a number of days um and kind of lowered the morale of the company <laughs> overall ah <laughs> uh-huh. see I'd have seen the funny side <laughs> yeah. All the, all the individual mech warriors do kind of end up getting their own little personalities depending on how much you actually read into it as well. Um, which is neat. Yeah, it's just, it's just a good game all around. Um, and that kind of brings me on to mech warrior five. (laughs) Um, which is a good game in very specific ways and kind of middling in others. Um, which is a shame because this is actually the first like FPS, um, MechWarrior game since i think 2003 um or i should say the first single player um, because there was mech online in 2012 i think there was um so yeah people have been waiting for this one for a long time the things that feel good about it uh it's piloting is like brilliant all the mechs just have their own individual weight and like momentum to them and they look wicked cool as well. They really do. Um, as always, Piranha games um have a really good um a really good style, I think, for the universe. Um they take what I personally find to be quite silly, um, drawings from the original tabletop game and update them into something that I think actually looks setting appropriate. Um yeah, but like um being like in the light mechs and stuff and being able to like um you get a mission to infiltrate a base and destroy, like, this uh, this uh dish. And, like, you're in this mech that runs along at, like, 110 kilometers an hour and you come up on their wall and you fucking vault over it. And while you're in midair, you kind of twist around and let off a volley of missiles and lasers to destroy, like, this communications dish. And as soon as you land, there are all these enemies on you. So you duck into an alleyway and then, while you're out of sight, quickly vault over the wall again and just keep on running. Or, like, being an assault mech and just literally just walking straight through the wall and um just nice opening up with everything so there is quite a bit of variation it feels really amazing um but the rest of the game is not great unfortunately um <laughs> so like um probably the first thing that hit me off the bat was um how kind of sterile outside of the missions felt um compared compared to like BattleTech, which actually has like little touches like your mech warriors have there. Personalities, and then you've got the different main characters, like the actual crew of the ship that you're on, that are um, all extremely enjoyable to talk to. Um, on this one, you've got two people that you can talk to um, that you kind of wander around um, when you as when you first get out of a mission, it dumps you in first person um, on your ship, and the ship consists of a mech bay, the commands, like. The command quarters, the bridge, or whatever, and your room. Um, and you can walk from one to the other within the space of about 30 seconds, and there's only two characters that you can talk to. Um, and both of them have got horrible put on British accents. <laughs> um, excellent. No, neither of them have anything to say, um, to you after missions. Um, story missions are kind of few and far between, so they don't really have any updates on that. Um, the actual ship itself never changes other than what mechs you have in the mech bay, which I've got to admit it is quite pretty to get up on the catwalk and just kinda of gaze at them for a little while. But um yeah, it's just they could have replaced it with a menu and nothing would have been lost really. Um
2: you said it's like the first one they've done in a while that's like single player, so is the story mode not like the main attraction then?
4: There's there's a lot about it to compare to Battletech. Um so it does story modes and it does the story missions in a similar way where it's, um, where it's not like a linear campaign like the previous MechWarrior games. You just jump from mission to mission to mission. Um, this one and most is. of them are
2: kind of like random, nondescript, earn some money sort of missions, then I'm guessing.
4: Yeah, yep. Um, you basically jump from, um, star system to star system. Um, looking for various, like, uh, war zones or conflict zones. So you can pick up a couple of contracts, jump to the next, um, jump to the next one. Um, there's only five different sorts of contracts that you can pick up. Ah. And the story missions themselves, while they're generally very well, um, well, they're generally pretty well structured, um, like as in the challenges that they set out of fun, the actual story to it is, eh, whatever. Um,
2: yeah. So what about, like, um, the actual mission environments then is, uh, like, how long do you have to play before you've basically seen every kind of, like, meaningfully different way in which a mission can play out?
4: Not long at all, and that's my other complaint. Um, Ah, I see. Yeah, so with the generation, everything is uh, quite obviously tile-based. You'll run into the same style of city over and over again. Um, Generally, it'll be like a um a crater and then in the middle of it will be like a little walled city or it'll be a base that is in like walled in a horseshoe type of thing with two turrets at the front and then the major building off in the back of it. So it, it doesn't take long at all to start recognizing stuff, um, especially when um, the maps that it actually generates for these missions um, are quite large um, and they only ever concentrate the action into a very small part of them. So like you might have a mission that might be like to um, attack three separate targets and they're all at like different um, bases or outposts on this map, but they all tend to be kind of crammed into the same corner. (laughs) Um, And in the rare occasions where you do get ones where you do have to like travel to the other map and stuff like that, there's actually no enemies in between. So it's just like, go here, fight, and then just hold down the run button um, to the next spot. In the actual fights themselves, enemies just kind of respawn out of nowhere, um, and it gets kind of dull pretty quickly. Like, um, you get, like, wave-based uh, defense missions and stuff like that, and they can only ever drop four units at a time. And it's like, okay, clear out these ones. Oh, look, here comes the other drop ship. Um, drop off another four. It's like, okay, clear these ones up again. And there's just no variation to where they land, no variation in their tactics. It's just, it could have been a lot more.
2: <laughs> Would you say that it was, that these encounters were uh, meaningful and fun for a while, and then you kind of see everything there is to see, and then that's why it's bad, because you kind of see everything too quickly? Or is there a problem with these encounters to begin with? Like I said, the pi-
4: the piloting actually feels great. Um that is right. uh, that is what kept me playing it for playing it for so long. So they built an amazing simulator and not
2: much game around it. Yeah,
4: not not much else around. It really is a bit of a shame. Um it does have official mod support, so I don't know, maybe somebody will come mm. along and like bang it up. But to be frank the um Mech Warrior franchise has kinda of got its foot half in the grave at the moment anyway, so Giant mech foot. <laughs> Big stompy foot.
2: <laughs> Big stompy foot half on the bad terrain that gives it disadvantages.
4: I hope that it gets better. They're still updating it. They're still looking after it. Um, MechWarrior Online kind of went through its ups and downs, um, at least in terms of piloting, but they seems to have, like I said, nailed it for this one. Um, I just hope something else happens. <laughs> like even, like um, even just a bit more variation um, to the missions instead of just the five that you have and you do over and over again. (laughs) Yeah. Chanda. Alright.
2: Should we stop recording? We're done now, right? Yes, we're done. Bye. (laughs) There's literally
0: nothing interesting happened. Bye. Plunk.